Hi, this is Shannon from SISforteachers.org. Thanks so much for joining us for our blog for this week on math in the real world with littles. Mathematical practice number two, or some people look at that as the process standards in math, states that children should be able to understand math by reasoning, reasoning abstractly and quantitatively. What does that even mean? This is one of the math practices that really stumps many teachers that I work with, and rightfully so. The practice itself is a little more abstract than we're used to when it comes to math. But what it really means is that we're looking at numbers connected to words and words connected to numbers, which we do when we apply mathematics into real-world scenarios or when we do word problems. Just like fractions, which we explored in our previous series, word problems tend to strike fear into the hearts of teachers and students alike. In this blog series, we're going to demystify the dreaded story problem and explore real-life math so that we can help our students to learn and to be able to reason abstractly and quantitatively. We look at this process to help students with reading comprehension skills using all kinds of different problems from part whole addition to part whole subtraction, part whole missing add-in, part whole multi-step, there's part whole multiplication and division, additive comparison, multiplicative comparison, fractions, and more. The problem with story problems. Story problems can help students learn the basic arithmetic of math, the mechanics of adding, subtracting, dividing, and multiplying of numbers. But when students are asked to apply that arithmetic in the real world situations or to think more deeply about those math concepts, they get confused because they don't have the deeper understanding of mathematical processes or what the problem is actually asking us. We have to make a simplistic story problem. We sometimes have simplistic story problems like three frogs jumped in the pond and then two more joined. How many frogs are in the pond? But we also need to have more complex problems, such as I baked four dozen cookies last night. One third of them that I made were chocolate chip, three-fourths of the remainder were ginger snaps, and the rest were peanut butter. How many peanut butter cookies did I make? Answering a question from something simple like frogs is kind of a lot different than answering a fraction multi-step comparison problem. The complexity of the kinds of problems can stop a student dead in their tracks. Their first response is usually the high-pitched questioning voice. Uh, do we just add? Or they might say it. Do we just subtract? Or do we just multiply? Or do we just divide? What they're doing is they're looking for the response to their questions very carefully. If the teacher doesn't seem happy with one of the suggestions of the operations to use, they quickly suggest another one until they fill or fill up, figure out what their teacher really wants. When it comes to story problems, students just seem to don't, they don't really have the perseverance that they need and aren't interested in what we call productive struggle. They just want the teacher or the adult to tell them what to do and how to get the answer and save them from the dreaded story problem. However, that approach isn't really going to help kids in the long run. Everything that we're doing in the 21st century mathematics is really applying it into a situation in the real world. I talk about this many times. I could just pick up my phone and ask Siri, what's 25 times 35? And Siri will regurgitate the answer without a problem. But if I can't apply it in the real world situation, that's where the struggle begins in the application of math. Early problem solving. We'll start this journey through the development of word problem skills at the beginning with our littles. 
I always talk about peeling back the layers when we're looking at children coming in from the early years of, of problem solving. How do we do that? Ask almost any teacher where to start in reading, and they will say, oh, it's oral language, then we're going to go into phonemic awareness, and all of those things that happen to allow children to put sounds together in order to read a word on a page. Decoding is reading is a lot like calculation in math. So if you're able to re, you know, be able to decode in reading, you obviously can also do the calculations in, as math. As students do this progression in the mechanics of reading, we start to think about reading comprehension, which is another skill all in itself. The same thing follows suit with math. As a student becomes more competent in math calculations, we want to move them into what's called math reasoning. If you've learned with us before, either on campus in a workshop or maybe in one of our M-Cube coaching or even maybe reading our blog, you know that we really emphasize peeling the layers back in math calculation with the math mites using concrete pictorial abstract, CPA. Clearly, math calculation gets a lot of attention because it's the foundation for the rest of mathematics. But if you're like many of the teachers who we work with, you might feel a little less confident in helping students with that next layer of math reasoning. The good news is that we can build math reasoning skills very early on. As we know, the first part of this involves real objects in the physical world. We want students to have thousands and thousands of experiences with real objects in the physical world to give them the opportunity to explore real life mathematically. This doesn't have to be a formal math lesson with counters and flashcards with your two-year-old. It could be picking two objects and talking about which one is heavier or maybe which one's lighter. It can be making a tower of red blocks and then building a tower of the equal size out of the blue blocks. It could be setting the table for dinner and knowing how many forks will be needed. This is where the real life math begins. Creating a math-friendly home. We just are finalizing an amazing SIS for Students virtual math series. Make sure you check out the archive on our link here in the blog, where we partnered with Making Math Make Sense to help parents, teachers, and families to help deepen their understanding of math. One of the things we created for the virtual series is something called Math for Littles, since littles is where it all starts. Creating a math-friendly home is the topic of our first Math for Little series of videos. It is a room-by-room -room guide to help math come alive and become concrete. Each video has five specific activities and ideas that you can take to have a math-focused conversation with your little as you go about daily routines. The kitchen is a great place to begin math into reality. Next time you're eating breakfast with your little, count together to see how many tablespoons of Cheerios it'll take to fill up the cereal bowl. When heading out to explore, let your little pick different types of leaves or rocks or sticks to carry home. Then work together to sort the attribute like by shape or color or texture to help them see the mathematical concepts in real things in their life. After lunch, maybe play I Spy in the family room, but describe the target object with mathematical vocabulary, maybe through shape or quantity, etc. Then after dinner, before your little jumps into the bathtub, take a second to observe the water line. Maybe even mark it with a bathtub crayon. Then when your little hops in the tub, maybe make a notice to see if that water line changed once the child got in there. You don't need to go into a complicated explanation about volume or displacement, but simply calling the attention to the changing 
of the plant, it would really plant the seeds to help to understand the concept of volume. When you got in the bathtub, did more water come in or was it the same water? It might seem insignificant, but strategically incorporating math-focused conversations will lay the foundation of early problem solving, which feeds mathematical reasoning skills later on. These concepts are critical to our littles developing of oral language, development of oral language with real objects in the physical world. Even if you don't have a math degree, even if math really isn't your thing, all it takes is a little guidance and some intentionality of the conversations that you're having with your littles to develop early problem-solving skills in the comfort of your home, own, own home. Check out our tutorial videos and let us know how it goes. Join us next week for our blog as we take the next step from real objects in the physical world to getting your child to start to look at quantitative pictures to bring real-life situations into math. Thanks so much for joining us.